This is the Alarm Entourage. taking their bows at the moment after another euphoric game. talking Welsh on stage to an audience who have no idea what he's saying whatsoever but bless him for doing that the Welsh language starts and stops at us I'm going to follow him Mike's just pulled a special guest who played with the band tonight on Rain in the Summertime. Alarm fans come in all shapes and sizes. This one is over six foot tall and is the lead singer in Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan. Hey, Bill, how was that, boy? You know, he's all right. I think he's got a future. <laughs> he's got a career. Where are we in here? Come on in. Mikey, come in. Yeah, come in. Come on over. Well, we've got a new member of the band tonight, boys. <laughs> yeah. New member of the band. Uh, Not me. Yeah. yeah. Has he passed the audition? He's, he's, he's the, the podcast king. <laughs> <laughs> Wales. I did ask, I explained earlier on and asked if I could stick a mic up both your noses. How happy were you? <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a dream come true to have someone like this come on the stage with the alarm. I mean, what a, what a legend. You know, I've been, been a massive fan of this man since oh, I first heard his records. Because you uh, mentioned in the alarm movie, the man in the camo jacket, you said you described the alarm as the real deal what makes you say that bill you want the whole story yeah man yeah yeah we've got all the time in the world yeah well um i don't remember what the program was but i saw the alarm when you were first touring america um live on television somewhere and i went out the next day and i bought the first ep what year was that do you remember 83 68 guns it's probably the cutting edge that you might have seen as yeah. on the MTV right, show. Yeah. It was time. weird. It was like it was like shot from a very high angle, almost like down at your oh. heads. Oh, well, that, that might have I been, remember that might have been American Bandstand. You know, we yeah. played marching on early. That was early on. I remember thinking, 
interesting with the acoustic guitars. Yeah. Very different. Songs were fantastic. Energy was fantastic. And then, of course, the big hair. <laughs> how, how old were you in 83? I would have been about 16. Right. Wow. Yeah. It went right into your blood then. <laughs> yeah, and I've been a fan ever since. So for me, I, I took the journey from the beginning. Yeah. And I really understood that this was a different type of band with a different type of um, trajectory. And my father was a musician, so I, you know, I felt like I was a fairly educated. Uh, and my my father, you know, he liked Bowie, but he didn't like somebody. You know, my I had a discernment in, in my world because of my father. So, you know, when I got the alarm, I mean, it didn't go away just because I stopped being a teenager. At some point, I, I got it from the from the get go. So, what was it about the alarm that worked for you? I think uh, what sticks out in my mind always about the alarm. And, and now I, that I've known Mike a few years is, you know, in such a cynical world as rock and roll, when you see the real deal that's so genuine, it's almost shocking yeah, yeah. because you don't believe it can be that yeah, yeah, pure. Yeah. And I use that word sort of generally, you know, we're all human and we all have our, our frailties. But there was something about the spirit of the alarm that really caught me by surprise. It was like the robust spirit of Woody Guthrie or Bob Dylan blended with, you know, this kind of punk anarchy. But yet it was approachable. It wasn't off-putting. You didn't feel alienated. You felt like oh, they kind of understand, you know. Inclusive is the word I use. Okay, well, that's a very SJW word. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I felt like I understood it right away. And then, of course, when I got the EP on cassette, right. um, I could still see it in my mind, you know, playing in the bedroom. And, um, and I, I, just, I just got it. I just Whatever they were singing, I got it, you know. And, and you know, as you know, and, and I'm speaking a bit technically, the sound of the alarm then was a, was a bit of a hard thing for people to kind of manage. The acoustic guitars, you know, yeah. trying to create the live ambience. So when you heard, that, when you heard it on record, it, it came across even more clearly because that spirit, that sort of, I don't know, the jangle of it all. Yeah, jangle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we struggled for a long time. We, I say we, I was a guitar tech back ah. then. We struggled to make the acoustics sound like we wanted them to sound. Oh, really? When we first started, we, we had no bass guitar. It was just three acoustic guitars and, and a drum kit. It was like skiffle punk almost. Ah. And, and we thought that if we pushed the bass drum resonance so much, that would capture the bass tones in coming off the acoustic guitars but could we get an engineer to understand that no it, i wasn't really i think until until we saw the white stripes we thought that's that's what it was we were trying to get you know that sort of stripped down element of less musicians but a big massive sound you know, that. so when did you last see the alarm billy have you seen them live before i don't think i've ever seen the alarm alarm live i've seen mike live yeah and what do you make of the latest generation of the alarm fantastic really really beautiful spirits there you know yeah yeah, yeah. it is there yeah that's it, it comes across you know um, it seems an almost odd match you two because you know we're from we're from Rill in North <laughs> Wales right it's arguably the least cool place in the universe you're Chicago originally yeah well I do have some Welsh blood so no we no maybe we're related because my granddad came to Chicago in 1918 after the first world war but he's only stayed for three years and we had some family here that we've never been able to trace so maybe, through some, maybe we're bra- through got, some seed around yeah, may, possibly he, he do you know your job. family's name you're uh, well, you know, Corrigan, you right, know, yeah. but I do have some Welsh yeah, blood. Yeah, well, we, my granddad was from Hollyhead, and that's where you got off the ferry if you came yeah. over from Ireland. But they always say the Irish are the Welsh that could swim. That's right. Because they got away when the Romans and the, and the, the Welsh Normans and the, came. Yeah, true. The Welsh and the Irish have we, much we, more in common we than we realise. We swim realized. and we got left behind yeah. to fight yeah. the fight, didn't we? 
But uh, yeah, we had family in Chicago. My, my grandfather worked for the Bell Telephone Company from go. 1918 to 21, and then he went home. So we turn to my point, you know, it, it seems an anathema in some ways that a band as cool as Smashing Pumpkins, I mean, you're right up there, you know, there's... there's the greatest. Uh, yeah, yeah. As cool as... Yeah. When, for want of a better word. Ca- when we came to America, America didn't have its own voice in the way. There was some of the grand bands, R.E.M. and, you know, the Long Riders. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, um, and what, what have you, um, Wire Train. There wasn't a lot until Billy's generation. Billy came yeah, in yeah. and gave a voice to America that was so powerful. That's why America's belonged to America since, since the Pumpkins came along and then the Nirvanas and the Pearl Jams. But, but you really voiced it. In a way, we gave a voice to a certain amount of youth you did for America and, and massively would you describe this lot as an influence in any way yeah because there was something there that I you know uh, independent music in America particularly in the 80s going to the 90s was very cynical you know the the, the leaders of that lot were bands like uh, Sonic Youth and even the Pixies both fantastic bands but there was a bit of a kind of a collegiate you know, we had to be kind of on the, a little bit on the inside to kind of understand what was going on. And coming from a working class background, people didn't know what to make of our earnestness. They thought it was a like a like a like a wink or something. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't understand. Like, no, we actually mean what we're doing. It made us cynical, but in a different type of way. So the fans, uh, much like uh, as, as sometimes when I've talked about the alarm in the UK, people don't they go uh, they get lost in the in the in the in their version of it. You have to be a real fan to understand the sort of the heartbeat of it all. And I feel that's similar to the Pumpkins thing, where it's like the people on the outside of it who aren't fans is, what is that all about? It seems a bit too loud, a, too, a little too brash, a little too messy. They understand it comes from a real uh, earnest place. Um, and our, and our, the cynicism that we throw out is to say, like, get the away from us if you don't understand. You know what I mean? That goes more back to a, like a, almost like a punk ethos. Mike, on the other hand, refuses to be cynical. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? I've known him 41 years. There's not an ounce of cynicism in him. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no I mean, I, I, he's come to see us play a bunch of times, and it's always, like, so positive, and you're like, but I hit some bum notes. Oh, who cares about uh, the bum notes? Yeah, it's the overall no, effect. We, we grew up on that whole thing of not being able to play. You know, when yeah, I yeah. saw James playing, Gene loves Jezebel and Chelsea, it was... A, he saw my first ever tour. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't hear that. Say that again, Mike. Mike saw was at my first ever tour, professional tour I did in 19... It was 1977, summer of at Torquay Town Hall. It, Chelsea, yeah. the Cortinas, oh, and... Was it Patrick Fitzgerald? Yeah, I think The it was. punk poet. Yeah, step Got forward. a s- safety pin stuck in my heart for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've gone deep punk now, Billy, shall we? We may have, we may have left we here. We were all young kids. We, we, had no, we didn't know what the rules were or the game was. Yeah, we were yeah. just plunged into it yeah. uh, uh, and we had to sink or swim and learn on our own devices. And the records were, were our Bible almost. Yeah. That's where we got our information from. And then, if I can add, because it, America is, is such a sort of a, a mystery for many of the, of the uh, UK artists coming over. It's the grand prize, yeah. you know. It was for the Pistols. It was for the Clash. Even the Ramones had to sort of try to bring back what they got overseas back to America. And and I think what's hard sometimes to understand is, particularly in the '80s, the the record business didn't know what to do with alternative bands. Uh, people thought Seymour Stein was crazy for having the Ramones, you know. And they tried to take what made alternative bands, what we now call alternative bands, 
new, I guess, new wave back when yeah, it was yeah. the term. They tried to keep making making them commercial in a way that the fans didn't want them to be yeah, commercial. Yeah. yeah, you know, and there's that weird schism that goes on. And you know, also a Gene loves Jezebel fan. You know, it's like the, the thing I loved about Gene loves Jezebel was like, no, there's nobody like this. I don't want them to be like everyone else. And it was the same with the alarm. I didn't want them to be like everybody else. Can I just take this opportunity to say thanks to Billy for inviting me and Jay up at the Brixton Academy because oh. that was awesome. And they played Steve and a Gene Loves Jezebel song off the second album better than we ever played it. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, talking about playing, you were on stage tonight doing Rain in the Summertime. How did it go? Well, <laughs> let's pretend Mike's not here. <laughs> I do that all the time, Bill. Okay. Um, his voice on stage is like an air raid siren. <laughs> There's not a lot of room for anybody else. So I sort of seem to navigate somehow with my high tenor around the voice and I added nicely to the orchestra it was, be- it was a beautiful moment I love that song so much yeah. and you as an Alarm fan mm-hmm. got to play an Alarm acoustic electric guitar I mean that's got to do yeah. something and yeah. you know it still sounded like crap like it did back in 83 <laughs> <laughs> a little bit so wait that's the sound that's yeah, the yeah, sound. yeah 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 just on the edge of falling apart Mike used to always say when we used to go and see The Clash a lot long time ago The Clash were either brilliant and brilliant or disastrous mm-hmm. and still brilliant it was on the edge of collapse all the time all nothing that, 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 yeah you know we, we, we always loved that about Joe Strummer and Mick Jones they went on and it was 100 miles an hour and, and if they connected it was incredible yeah. if they missed each other for a split second whoosh the gig could be hands up everyone that opened for the clash <laughs> <laughs> oh, no I never did <laughs> no. well the toilets did in Eric's in Eric's in Liverpool Matthews yeah. did you ever uh, see them Billy no, I never saw. I wasn't really a fan, and, no. and, I, and I get a lot of shade from my Clash, uh, Clash fan friends. Okay. I, I, I mean, I absolutely understand their brilliance. I can remember taking their first album home. The Planet's my brother who was listening to the floaters at the time. Whoa, <laughs> he thought the, the, the stereo had broken. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a bit of a tra- translation to me in, in that in that time in America because it, it felt a bit too insidery. There was a lot going on that I didn't get. Yeah, there was this, an elitism that, about punk that, that attached itself to the Pistols and the Clash that cut everyone out for a while. You know, yeah, I, I mean, think, you, I think you could cla- the Clash is first when they were on Epic in the US, and that they. When their first album came out, there was this huge campaign when I first came over to America in 79 with Chelsea in every music paper saying, The Clash, the only British punk band that matter. And that was just ridiculous. That negated their own it's importance. Like when Springsteen came to London and they, they had him as like the, the future, the Messiah, future yeah. of rock and roll. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, we're, 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 we sneaked into America as the alarm in 1983. Mm. We came over with you too. And, and we, all we'd done in Britain was sell out the marquee for two nights. We had no hit records. We, were, we just got on a plane and we got in a van and we turned up for some gigs and everyone was like, they discovered us. By yeah. seeing us, not by feeling the, the hype that came with Under so the bands. radar is yeah. the term you always use yeah. for that. It yeah. was, yeah. I've got to say, I, I now realise from the way, the way you've just described mm. your knowledge, your understanding of the alarm, you are a proper alarm fan. So we're going to have to dig out some pre-alarm stuff for you. We're going to have to find some <laughs> 17, the band Power before pop. the alarm. <laughs> yeah, we'll dig out that for you. I, right. I, I, I think you deserve to have that. You'll enjoy that. <laughs> you, right. you get loose up. And... What about the future? I mean, have you guys ever considered doing anything together? Would you, Billy? In a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. In a heartbeat. Well, there you go. That's the title of the song that you're going to do. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Was it Brian Eno believes in strategies? My strategy is to force people into things that they say they're going to do. You just said you're going to do it in a heartbeat. That's the song you've got to write and record. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, force creativity. Let's do it. Done. Done.
Thank you, They're sir. shaking hands. I saw that shaking of hands. My granddad was called Billy as well. So ah. You never know. Who's that? My granddad. Oh. He, came to live in, he yeah. was called Billy. William. Oh, okay. William Hugh Frank Jones. You never know. There might be a link far deeper than we possibly well, realise. Well, uh, we were talking about Slade earlier on, so that's a whole other conversation <laughs> I have to have. You're a Slade fan? Yeah. How I, did that happen? I feel so bad because I, th- I thought Naughty was dead. and I, No, I've been, no I've you're not in, the first been, to say I've that. I've been informed rightly that he's very much alive and I'm very yeah. happy to hear that. Yeah, fit and well yeah. and spending uh, winters and, in Spain. And he'll be back next Christmas as always. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Christmas until Noddy Holder says so. That's right. That's the title of your song, the Christmas record. <laughs> uh, Billy, it's tremendous to meet you, man. Thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate that. Mike, I'll leave you two to uh, write that song. That's it. You've been listening to the Alarm Entourage podcast. I'll leave those guys to hang out. And I suppose better go and do the other thing that I've been doing on this tour. And that's help put some things in boxes. That's it. See ya.